Well, good morning and welcome to part 18 of our Reflecting the Light series. We started this journey at the beginning of the year. Jesus laid on our hearts to learn how to lead and love like He does. And in John chapter 1, we're going to read about it in just a minute, it says that He is the light of the world and we are to reflect that light. And that's what we're going to talk about. We've been in this journey. We're in chapter 8 of John. And so I want to take you over there. We're going to read uh, a pretty lengthy passage today, but we're going to look at John 8 and we're going to kind of see what Jesus is speaking to us here, what we can learn about his life and how he led and what he did and what was important. So flip over to John chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 12 through 20, and we're actually going to do a little further than that later, but we're going to start here. And if you remember, Jesus had just dealt with in our storyline in, in the first part of John chapter 8, the lady that had was drugged before Jesus and was accused of adultery. And if you remember, the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus and, and he basically said those words, hey, you without sin or those of you without sin cast the first stone and everybody went away. And then he told the lady to go and sin no more. If you did not catch that message, you can watch it on YouTube and and kind of get up to speed. This entire series is located there. But now we're on to this next phrase, and, and, and it starts in verse 12. And it says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you're making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. And that goes all the way back to the Old Testament, all the way back to the beginning where it says that you have to have witnesses like two or more to validate a witness. So that's what they're referencing. So Jesus told them, these claims are valid, though I make them about myself. For I know where I come from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Who is your Father, they ask? Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am. You don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Now, there's a lot in there. And there's this debate going back and forth about the witness of who Jesus is. And he's talking about his father. He's talking about God the Father, not his earthly father, Joseph, who wasn't his biological father anyway because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit with his mother Mary. That can be confusing in and of itself, but Joseph was his earthly father. And he's not talking about Joseph. If you read other passages, said we know where he comes from. We know he comes from Galilee and his, his father Joseph. But Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, His heavenly Father. And we're going to get into a little bit of this in just a minute, but I want to, I want to focus on one thing really quickly. The beginning of this passage sounds very familiar. I referenced it in the beginning about John 1.1. I want you to look at that in just a minute. John 1, 
1 through 5. So I want to read that again for you. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and the Word is talking about Jesus. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now, that sounds very familiar to verse 12 there. I am the light of the world. Jesus is giving this image, and there's this image throughout John against light and darkness. It's actually throughout the Bible. Light is referenced to the things of God, and darkness is referenced to the evil things, the things of Satan. So all creation was made through Jesus. That's what we learned in John 1.1, that everything was made in and through Him. And we know going all the way back to Genesis that we were made in God's image. So we're this reflection of the light. That's why we named this entire study, this entire series that we're doing through the book of John, reflecting the light because we're reflecting Jesus to the world. We are a reflection of that light. So I want to just talk about this for a minute and, and focus on that theme because it is our driving theme for this year. So what is the purpose of the light? The purpose of the light. Really, since Satan was thrown out of heaven, he's been on a quest to destroy God's creation. He's been on this quest to, to destroy mankind. And I know I gave you the point, purpose of the light. I'm going to get to it in just a minute. Hang with me. Satan's purpose has been to destroy mankind. If you look at Isaiah, I'm going to go Old Testament here. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14 is going to show kind of what happened to Satan, how he came to the earth. Verse 12, how you have fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. It's talking about Satan. He was an angel. You have been thrown down to earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will proceed on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and I will be like the most high. Satan wanted to be like God. He was beautiful. He became arrogant and prideful and he thought he could set himself above God. He thought he could become the most high. So what did God do? He sent him and a third of the angels that followed him to the earth. And since that moment, once God created mankind, he created the earth, he created mankind in his image, man became created in this image of God and he gave them the earth. Satan's whole purpose at that point was to destroy God's creation, the beloved of God. When, you know, when you're created in the image of God, that means that he loves you, that he wanted you and me to reflect him. Now, we're not God. We're not many gods, but we're created in his image. And Satan wanted to destroy us. He wanted to destroy the human race. And so he set out to trap us, to trick us, to get us off course, to not fall in love with God, to do everything that was against him, to live for ourselves the way that he did, 
to put ourselves in the position of God in our lives. That's really what sin is. It's putting ourselves before God and before everyone else. We're establishing ourselves as God in our own lives. And we're saying to the one that created us, I don't need you. Get out of here. I've got this under control. But the problem is we've been deceived and lied to by him. There is an enemy out there that's trying to take us down. And and we referenced this the other day in Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm only going to read this part. The whole thing goes into the the armor of God. But Ephesians 6, 12 says, We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That is where the darkness comes in, is Satan. And it says this dark world, this world that fell, Going all the way back to Adam and Eve, they were tempted by Satan. Satan's first trick was to tempt them and to get them to doubt who God was, that they needed him. And they used it something very simple and got them to eat the fruit. The one thing that God said, hey, I'm going to hold this back. And instead, they wanted to be like God. And so they fell into sin, and that introduced sin into the whole world. And it set the world on a path of darkness. And the rest of history is, was building up to the point when the light would be brought back into the world through Jesus. So what are some things that light does when it invades the darkness? The first thing is that it extinguishes darkness. When you come into a dark room or a cave or anything like that, if you've ever been in a really dark place, one of my favorite things to do is to go into a cave. Now, we don't have a lot of caves around us, but we've had a couple experiences. If you're ever out in Branson, Missouri, you could go into the cave at Silver Dollar City. They'll take you down in there and they'll get you down and they'll shut all the lights off and you will never be in, in, in more darkness than that. Absolutely no light from anywhere. Can't see your hand in front of your face. I mean, right here, you can't see it. When that light comes back on, that darkness flees. It extinguishes that darkness. So the second thing it does is when light comes in, it reveals. So the things that are in darkness are hidden. And that's why there's a lot of reference to darkness in the Bible. And it talks about the darkness in people's hearts. It hides the things. We we do evil in darkness. We do things we want to keep hidden in darkness. Think about places where evil things happen. A lot of times they happen in dark places. Because we want to keep it hidden. We want to keep it in the shadows. But when the light comes in, it reveals Why do we have security lights on our homes? Because it lights everything up and it reveals what's out there. When the light comes into our lives, it reveals the darkness in our lives and and our need for that light and our need for forgiveness that comes through Jesus. Light also guides us. I want you to think about this. If you're ever on a dark road at night and you're kind of lost and you see a light off in the distance, you go to that light. It guides you. Or if you're driving your car, your light kind of sets the path. It guides you where you're going. It helps you to see where you're going to go. 
when you have that light, it guides you to where you need to go. Jesus is that light that guides us through this life. It also brings hope. When you're surrounded by darkness, you feel despair. You feel a sense of hopelessness. I've had a lot of these conversations with people that have struggled with depression, people that are struggling with uh loss and heavy loss, there's a sense of hopelessness, a sense of darkness. Some of you know Heather, who's been a part of our church for a while. In her, in her workshops, she talks about the darkness that you feel in those moments. And it can be consuming. Jesus brings light into those places. He brings light and hope because the darkness is hopelessness. And that light represents that hope. Jesus came to us in the midst of darkness. Look at verse 12 again. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to where? It leads to life. The light leads to life. It leads to hope. Jesus came to reconcile us and to bring us back into right relationship with Him. And when we live in the darkness that Satan has us in, sometimes we don't even know it. We don't even realize the darkness that's inside of us, that, that we're living in darkness, that we are consumed with our own lives and we don't even and realize it until the light's been revealed and we see that we've been selfish, that we've that we've been consumed with ourselves. That light reveals and draws us to the one that we love. So we're a reflection of that light. We're a reflection of who he is. Now I want to point something out. Jesus, in his discussion with the Pharisees, and they were talking about and he's defending who he is and why he can claim the things that he does, he says, look, I'm only doing what the Father tells me to do. I'm only doing what I see the Father doing, the creator of all things, the Most High. He said, that's my Father. I do what He does. Well, see, that trickles down to us because we're to reflect Jesus. We're to do the things that He did. We're to love the way He loves. And so our lives, our purpose are to reflect Jesus to the world, and He is doing the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is this creation, this beautiful creation that He created in His own image that's lost, that's in darkness, that's in hopelessness. He wants them reconciled in a relationship with Him. And that's what we're doing. That's our job. That's our mission. It goes all the way back to Matthew 22 where it says, the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. That's what Jesus is trying to do, to reconcile us into loving God, into trusting Him, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. That's our mission. We have been sent out by Him to help reconcile people to Him. Our job isn't to do the reconciliation. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to reflect Him so that people will be drawn to the light of and that light brings life, according to verse 12. That's our purpose, is to do the will of the Father. Jesus was showing the Pharisees in that discussion, in that debate, He was showing the Pharisees the heart of the Father. He was showing them that, look, 
You serve a system. You're trying to work your way into heaven and work your way into relationship with God by obeying everything, but you obey it and you've gotten caught up in your own sin and your own lust for power and your own lust to, to rule over people. And so you've caught up with the rules. You worship the rules and the system and the law, but you have no relationship with the Father. And again, Jesus didn't want the Pharisees to die in their sin. That wasn't his purpose. They weren't his enemy. He wanted them. He's trying to reveal to them the darkness in the, in the, light, in the life that they were living that they needed to trust Him, that if they would look at the Scripture through relationship with God, they would see that He is the revelation, the Messiah, the one that was coming, the one that was promised in Scripture. But they couldn't see it because of the darkness in their heart. So the purpose of the light is to lead us to life, life that will last forever. So the second thing was a warning. Jesus gives a warning to resisting the light. That's our second point today. Over the next few verses, Jesus points this out in verses 21 through 30. I want you to look there with me. John 8, 21 through 30. Later, Jesus said to them again, I am going away. You will search for me, but will die in your sins. You cannot come where I'm going. The people ask, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean? You cannot come where I'm going. And Jesus continued, you are from below and I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That's why I said that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. That I am is important. That goes all the way back to when Moses was talking to God, and God had told him to go lead the Israelites out of Egypt. They were in slavery, and, and Moses is like, who am I supposed to tell them is sending you, sending me? And he said, I am or I am who I am, or I will be who I will be, if you get down to literal translations. But I am, that I am statement was important because the Pharisees would have recognized that he's equating himself to God the Father. So that I am who I claim to be, and you will die in your sins. Who are you? They demanded. And Jesus replied, I the one I have always claimed to be, I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only what I have heard the one who sent me. He is completely truthful. But they still didn't understand that he was talking about the Father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. Talking about the Messiah, that they would understand that he was the Messiah when he's lifted up on the cross. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. Jesus told the Pharisees, and really all of us, that we are going to die in our sins if we don't follow the light, if we don't put our trust in Him, if we don't realize who Jesus is and what He did for us on the cross, if we didn't recognize that when He was on the cross, He's saying, I am, I am God, and I'm dying for you. My blood is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. See, sin is anything that separates us from God. 
It could be our pride. It's our own desires to do what we want, to not have accountability, to have it your way right now. And some of the nicest people in the world are still sinners because they're living for themselves. We all lie. We all break the Ten Commandments. And if you think about the Ten Commandments, the first half of them are sin against God, putting ourselves before God. The second half is putting ourselves before others. Lying, cheating, stealing, adultery, all of those are sins against the people around us. And the first half is sins against God Himself, our Creator, the one we were creating the image. We're just, we're spitting in His face. That's why everybody needs a Savior. Everybody needs that light. Everybody needs that hope. Sin is putting ourselves, our wants, our desires in front of God and the needs of others. And Jesus came to reconcile us to Him. We are to be reconciled to God, and that is the purpose. He came to teach us to love God and to love our neighbor, to do as we see the Father doing, to do as we see Him doing, to reflect that light into this world. The religious leaders could not see who Jesus was because they worshipped the system more than they worshipped God. They worshipped the power that it gave them more than they worshipped God. They worshipped the position more than they worshipped God. I think pastors fall in that same trap. Sometimes we worship the title of pastor more than we do the one that we follow. And pastor just means shepherd. We're shepherds. We're to lead others to him. We're shepherds. We're to teach and equip. That's all we're to do. I can remember a time, and, and it was a good time in being a pastor, when man, I can remember going to golf courses, and if you knew, they knew you were a pastor, you could play for free. I played in Hawaii that way. I can remember a time you go to a mechanic, and they knew you were a pastor, they gave you a discount. The problem with that was, and, and people were honoring pastors because they had respect for them, but the problem was, is we got so used to that, we became like the Pharisees. We got used to having that pat on the back, having the good seat, that respect. But that respect gave us an arrogance like we were God. Like, well, I'm a pastor. You should do what I say. You should do what, you, what I tell you to do. The problem is, is that we forgot about the relationship with God and we got so caught up in our own hype that we lost that relationship. We lost worshiping the one that we were to reflect and we began to build our own little image and idol of ourselves. It's a dangerous place. Really, that darkness that we get fall into when we fall into those places of darkness, we don't see what's happening around us. We don't see how we're getting off course. If you've ever been on a trail or hiking or on a road and, and you lose lights, it's easy to get off course. It's easy to get derailed. It's easy to lose your way. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. When we keep our focus on Him, when we keep walking towards Him, when we keep reflecting that light, so that we can be a beacon to others, to draw them to Him. 
That's what we're called to do. Jesus came and he took away our sins. He gave us the opportunity to be reconciled. If you are a follower of Jesus, your job and your mission is to reflect him and to draw others to him. Not to you, to him. Because really, we're a reflection of him. But we're not him. We don't save anyone. I've never saved a single person in my life. But I've led people to a place where the Holy Spirit would draw them in and introduce them to the one that loves them more than anyone else. And that's Jesus. That's our job, our mission. Every single believer has that same job, same mission. The only difference is, is we're called to do it in different ways. We're called to do it through the gifts, talents, and abilities that we have. We're called to do it being insurance agents and, and tax collectors and construction workers and IT people and business owners and maybe even pastors. Although I think the look of that is going to change. We're called to reflect. Jesus was warning them that they needed to get to know the Father. For those that resist the light, it's darkness. They die in their sins. There is a ton of scriptures that I could pull out that I just don't have time to pull out right now. But man, for those that die in their darkness, it's, it's separation from God. It's, it's hell. I want no one, no one to spend time there. I want all people, even people that hate me, even people that are against me, I want them to know the love and the light of Jesus. That only comes through the Holy Spirit living in me. Because I'll be honest, there are times, there are people that are really hard for me to want that for. But yet God came to reconcile all people that are walking in darkness and bring them to the light. So I want to wrap up with this. First of all, we have to believe and put our trust in Jesus. We have to get to know him and build a relationship with him. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, now is the time to have that relationship. You can see the light, embrace it, accept it. Jesus is the only light that leads to life and we have to accept him. That's what John 3.16 said. For anyone that believes in him will have eternal life. Their sins will be forgiven. And that's where this word repentance comes in. Now, once we've accepted him, we're to turn and go towards the light instead of going into more darkness. Repentance means I put this part down and I go this way. Second thing is our mission is to reconcile people with him. We are to live on mission. We are to build relationship with God and build relationship with others so that we can draw them to Him. That's our whole mission. If you are a believer, that's why you exist. There are other purposes in this world. God's given us gifts, talents, abilities. Some of us can make money, and we make money so that we can bless other people. Some of us have the ability to create programs and to build buildings. All of those things 
either serve the purpose of giving us the resources we need to reach other people or to give us opportunities to reach out into our community by building relationships and using what God's given us for that. You know, God is a creative God. He is the creator. We read that in John 1. Everything was created through Jesus. We are creative in the way that we live so that we can draw others to Him. We're to reflect Him. So my question is this as we wrap up today. Who do you know that's living in darkness? Who do you know that's living away from the love of God? Pray for them right now. Find ways to be a reflection into their life. One of the ways I do that with some people that I know that are living in darkness is I'll shoot them a text or a phone call every so often, not enough to, to annoy them, but enough to let them know that I'm thinking about them, that, they're, that I'm on, they're on my mind. And I simply just say, hey, just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. How are things going? I don't even make it spiritual because I want to build relationship first. And those usually lead to spiritual conversation. What I found is even the people that resist God, I had somebody recently tell me, I don't want to talk about God, and then they proceeded to talk about God for the next hour. We're driven to it. Some of us resist God because we've been hurt by the church or by people that have called themselves Christians that didn't act like Christians. Sometimes it's just by our own stubbornness and sin that we remain in that darkness. We need to reflect that light. We need to live as Jesus lived and draw people to the light. I want to pray over you today. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives, in our church, in this community. And Lord, I pray that if there are anyone watching this that, that are living in darkness, Lord, I pray that this would be the light that they're drawn to, that they'd be drawn to you today, that they would find forgiveness of their sins in you, and Lord, that they would begin to live in you. And Lord, for those of us that are following you, Lord, I pray that you would make us shining reflections of you. That we would be a light to this world by reflecting you. And Lord, that we would see all of our friends and family and the people that live in our neighborhoods come to know you. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you today. We ask for your favor. We ask that you would draw people to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Go out and be a reflection of Jesus to your community. Have a great week.